0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander. And as always, I'm joined by Kobus Van Staden from the University of Johannesburg Center for African Diplomacy and Foreign Policy. And today you are joining us from Nagoya, Japan. So I'll say good evening, Cobus.
1: Yeah, good evening.
0: And so uh, Kobus is joining us via Wi-Fi on his, son, his iPhone, so the connection may go in and out, but hopefully uh, uh, SoftBank's uh, internet connections in Japan are, are going to be a little bit more reliable than what we've had out of Africa. Uh, we're also thrilled today to have on the show really uh, one of the first business executives that we've had on. Typically, we have on diplomats, or we have academics, or we have scholars and whatnot. And so today, we're going to be hearing from the business community, from Abu Kali, who is the chairman of ABA, uh, Africa Business Association. African Business Associates, as well as the Africa Copper Belt Summit that's coming up in July, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, Mr. Kelly. thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. And uh, we have uh, we're going to do two topics today. Normally we do three, but because our time is a little bit limited for this show, we're going to break it down into two. And we're gonna f- really really going to focus on uh, taking advantage of Mr. Kelly's presence here with us to talk about uh, natural resource extraction uh, and the deals that the Chinese are making, particularly in the Copper Belt uh, between stretching from Zambia all the way to the DRC. And for our second topic, we're going to go to uh, Kofi Annan's report that he did for the Africa Progress Panel, where he really came out swinging and saying that Africans are not going to be benefiting from their natural resource wealth, and uh, we'll get uh, Kobus and uh, Mr. Kelly's response on that, particularly the the role that the Chinese are playing in this, and this will really give us our first opportunity to talk to somebody on the front lines of making these deals about this key question is is China colonizing Africa and that's something that you hear so much in the popular media as well as just in the zeitgeist and so we'll get a a first-hand response on that so First, let's get started right away uh, with, uh, we'll talk first about this upcoming Copper Belt Summit that's coming on July 17th uh, in Shanghai, China. It's a three-day event, and it's got really a star-studded uh, list of speakers coming out of uh, the Copper Belt. And if you're not familiar with the Copper Belt, it, and, and we'll get uh, Abu to tell us exactly where it is, but basically stretches from eastern, eastern Congo right through to, to, to Zambia. Uh, so, uh, Abu Kali, you're going to be having uh, the Prime Minister of the DRC, the Governor of Katanga Province, the Minister of Mines from the DRC, as well as the Minister of Mines, Energy and Water Development from Zambia. Everybody's going to be in Shanghai, China this uh, this summer on July 17th to the 19th. Tell us a little bit about this Copper Belt Summit and why it's being held in Shanghai, of all places.
2: Uh, thank you very much, Cobus. Uh, 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 um, I appreciate uh, being on the show. Uh, the copper belt, uh, like you said, uh, stretches from uh, uh, 500 kilometers from uh, DRC to uh, Zambia. It covers the countries Zambia, DRC, and uh, we go- we have invited the prime minister and the ministers uh, of mines in uh, both countries, and uh, um, experts in the field, and bankers and commodity traders will be attending this uh, summit. And the summit will uh, uh, bring together the, the governments uh, of uh, DRC and, and, and Zambia to speak to the uh, uh, investment environment in, in, in their countries. Uh, DRC faced with uh, volatile security situations and uh, limited infrastructure and uh, certain uh, regulations that have been just passed by the government in terms of uh, limiting uh, exportation of. Uh, Copper uh, ore, uh, concentrate, some call it. And, uh, you know, this is uh, also in Zambia, uh, the Zambian government on issues of mining taxation and, sorry, and sorry, infrastructure questions on power and uh, uh, how to attract uh, investment in, in this environment. So, this will uh, give them the platform to. Uh, to explain to uh, potential investors or existing investment in their countries to uh, give them the level of comfort uh, and attract them and clarify issues with them. Uh, We will also have uh, private uh, experts uh, talking about the uh, macroeconomic uh, situation in these respective uh, countries and the region at large and the mineral sector, uh, especially copper. So uh, it will be uh, uh, a very uh, uh, interesting forum, uh, and the the private sector will talk about their experiences in Congo. Uh, uh, There will be Chinese Chinese mining companies that uh, are already in Congo and and Zambia, and they will be talking about their experiences. So it will be a very interesting uh, summit, and I encourage uh, people to... uh, Attend uh, and pay attention
0: to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine you're going to have a lot of interest on in the part of Chinese there. Uh, and I would imagine that also one of the first questions that may come out of it is, and we're going to get to this a little bit more in detail in our second half of the program about corruption. Um, but the, the Chinese have, have, you know, have, have a, quite a bit of experience in, in the DRC now after about 10 years of the Sico mines deal and, and, mm. and, and dealing with that. And, and there is some indication that they're getting frustrated with the level of corruption that they've had to come into contact with and the instability, particularly in the eastern Congo. What do you tell your clients and what do you think the message will be at this summit that, that addresses that obvious first question that many prospective investors from China may have about coming into the Congo?
2: Yeah, I think uh, uh, with uh, China, uh, Chinese or developing uh, countries need uh, to uh, uh, improve the uh, uh, socio-economic conditions of their people by building infrastructure and building. So the need for this, uh, especially copper product, is is very high. And DRC has the lowest cost of production in the world. Uh, They have cheaper power, not consistent. Uh, but that can be aided by uh, many infrastructural projects that uh, Chinese can team up with them. Uh, So, uh, you know, what I tell uh, clients coming in, yes, uh, uh, there are opportunities in Congo uh, or in Zambia, but they are not there for no reason. Uh, They are there, uh, and investments are about risks taking, and uh, by them being there, I think that can... uh, minimise or mitigate to minimise the risk, those risks by their involvement in in dealing with infrastructure, helping with the people but uh, corruption is a a big issue and uh, you know, you can look in the west you know, with the euro crisis going on in parts of Africa in, in Asia Uh, And even in China, you know, there are stories of uh, corruption floating all over the place. So it's a big problem. It's a huge problem. That doesn't minimize it in in DRC. But by their involvement, I think, you know, uh, this can help, you know, the people to to question their leadership. So that's why we invited this leadership to come and speak for themselves and answer the questions. Uh, I think it's a a process. Uh, If you look at 10 years ago, Congo was... uh, involved in uh, in uh, in a more serious uh, uh, civil civil uh, uh, disobedience civil civil war and and lot a lot of things going on but now it's it's dramatically improved and in zambia too you know you look at uh Zambia being a full-fledged democracy, a sitting president was uh, voted out and uh, you have a vibrant democracy. So there are a lot of ills, but I think, you know, by their involvement uh, with the scarcity of these resources, you know, um, I, I think this can be a good thing. You know, if, 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 if the two people can sit down and, and, and talk to each other and, you know, this is our role as uh, uh, investment promotion uh, uh, networking group, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, Cobus. the timing for this kind of summit seems, you know, very good, in part because one of the stories, the themes of of the news coverage of the past few weeks that we've seen is that you know, not only is China continuing to ramp up its interest in the Copper Belt as well as other places, but we're seeing increased interest from Turkey, from Japan, from Brazil, from a number of other countries. And these kinds of summits are exactly the kinds of ways that, you know, decision leaders get together with politicians, get together with activists and whatnot to kind of evaluate whether or not this is an opportunity that's worth pursuing. What's your thought on it?
1: Yeah, I found it very interesting. Um, I was... Um, I was wondering, actually, and I'd love to to hear uh, Mr. Kelly's um, opinion about this. I was interested in the fact that the DRC and and Zambia are presenting this together as a region. You know, because obviously culture
0: looks like we're it's having... It. Yeah, it's like, Kobus, uh, you're, you're breaking different. up.
1: Um, okay. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to see them coming together and representing themselves as the Copper Belt. So,
0: sorry, Mr. Sorry, Kelly, should, should he, he, was, he was breaking up, but basically I think the question was that, you know, that you're presenting the Copper Belt as a region, the DRC and Zambia, as a, as a, tw- as a two-pack, basically. Um, yeah. what, you know, is that something new?
2: Yeah, I think this is, uh, there has never been anything like this from my research, and uh, um, uh, we are bringing them together. Uh, It's not that uh, the initiation came from them, it came from uh, ABA, and particularly my personal experience in uh, DRC, working there and in uh, Zambia, the Copper Belt region, basically. So, um, being a businessman, I look at this uh, place and I look at the potential. And uh, you know, I see what is going there. Uh, how many Chinese uh, companies are coming there, uh, and Western companies uh, get a little frustrated with the way things are working because there is no clear information out there to 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 make this work easy. And uh, often, uh, uh, if you look at both sides, uh, the, 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 the frustration is uh, valid, you know, uh, because. Uh, uh, there are laws that uh, are in place in the books, whether they are uh, uh, followed or they are executed is another thing. So oftentimes when investors come, they come in a cocoon, information darkness, and uh, they don't have all the facts. So they start doing business and in, in a little bit they find out that, uh, you know, they are in trouble. So this is uh, this is the issue that, uh, you know, uh, we as uh, ABA go after and make sure that uh, uh, we can we can we can make this we can bring this uh, information to light, uh, and make sure that uh, both sides are in in you know yes. But the two parts we are bringing them together uh, mm-hmm. as two governments to 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 talk to the people and explain themselves, and it's going to be an ongoing process. This is not going to be the last; it's the first, but not the last. And then uh, we will continue on, and there'll be a follow up. And uh, we will have information sessions regularly for potential investors uh, going to this region.
0: Okay. Well, you know, let let me put you into on the hot seat here as as a yeah. consultant for you know the African Business Association, as somebody who deals with both Chinese and African investors. Uh, mm. you know, let me come at it from the point of view of the outsider looking to invest in Africa, and yeah. particularly in Zambia. And what we've seen in the media out of Zambia is very confusing. So, on the one hand, Michael Sada, when he was an opposition leader, Um, was basically the most aggressive, you know, opponent of Chinese presence in Africa. Then he becomes president, and he is, you know, very, very astute and very, very savvy in how he's changed his his tune. Then we see the problems at the Column Mine. Uh, We see, you know, shotguns. We see labor problems. We see unrest. Um, You know, these are all these mixed messages that we, we have coming out. What do you explain to prospective Chinese investors in uh, Zambia, don't sugarcoat it. Tell us kind of the honest truth about the complexities and what the reality is of investing in in, in copper mines in in Zambia.
2: Yeah, I think uh, if anybody understand these issues is Chinese, but because Chinese for the last thirty years have been coming from uh, the same predicament that uh, in, you know developing infrastructure, uh, having to deal with uh, immature workforce, you know, trying to develop that. So, you know, they know and, you know, it's clear that uh, we don't sugarcoat, that we make it clear that Zambia and DRC are not uh, easy places to work at. But uh, if anybody can understand it, it's the Chinese. And uh, that being said, with, when uh, President Sata was, before he became president, um, there are issues, uh, fundamental issues, because Chinese labor laws are completely different from the Zambia labor laws, you know. So coming there uh, with the unionized workers, workers uh, always uh, 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 talking about their rights is completely different. I, I take it more of a cultural difference than any political difference. Um, if you come to a new environment, you're going to work as you are used to. Um, we always say do as the Romans, but it's not that easy you know, uh, people tend to uh, gravitate towards what they know rather than what they don't. So this has brought about a lot of differences between these two people. And it's unfortunate certain things happen. So when he was coming to power, he looked at those issues and those are genuine issues for him to talk about. He talked about them very forcefully and strongly. When he came to power, he knows that. You know he understand the need for investment to 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 be able to improve the socio-economic status of his people. you know so the Chinese investment is crucial to this, so he realized that, and uh, you know so in that he has to he has to deal with the Chinese because you know uh, uh, they need what he has. And, you know, what good are the resources if if they are not going to be exploited? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these things you cannot use your hand to exploit them. You need machinery. You need heavy investment. And, uh, you know, and Zambia being, you know, opening up to privatization and uh, um, uh, uh, scaling back government involvement in, in, in the mining sector, I think it's a, it's a good fit, and he realized that and I gave him credit for that, you know.
1: And secondly, do you, um, in your experience, um, are the the Chinese companies very concerned about the image of China in Africa, or is it something that they don't be worried about?
0: Again, that's the, are they concerned about their image in Africa from the the Chinese companies?
2: Absolutely. I have met with, uh, I've traveled across China. I met with uh, smelters, people who are in business, and oftentimes what I hear is... uh, uh, you know, is Africa dangerous? This is what we see. Like uh, any Western media, uh, the image of Africa that you see in the Western media is that that's that's what is portrayed in uh, in uh, in China. But what I tell Chinese is very simple. Uh, seven years ago, before I went to China, um, I had lived living in America, I schooled in America for the past 20 years. I lived here. The image of China was not. The, 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 the most beautiful, you know. So when I went to China, I was shocked, you know, of what I've seen. So I tell them this, you know, if you are in America, they say Chinese are, like, uh, oppressed, they have autocratic <laughs> government, there is no freedom, you know, so in that you would think the infrastructure is not in place, people have not been, you know, given the right to do certain things, so it's completely different. So I tell them, you know, don't, don't go by the stereotype. There are plenty of Chinese investment in in, in Africa, and ninety nine percent of them are okay. They are safe. So the one percent is what you hear, and the problems are ninety nine percent okay. So the one percent that you hear is negative. So don't don't buy it, you know. And this is the truth. You know, Chinese culture is most similarly aligned with African culture, and I've, we have been trading with Chinese before the Europeans came to to Africa. It's a known fact. You know, so you know, we are not doing anything new here if you if you go by history. So I think there is there is opportunities here that can be explored carefully, uh, uh, systematically and, and in, in the best way possible that can be mutually beneficial to both sides.
0: Well let's move on to the to our second subject by by way of the DRC and talking about your experience in the DRC because uh, you know, the, the the Democratic Republic of Congo does represent in many ways the best and worst of of, of the opportunities. So Absolutely. on the one hand, it has, as you have pointed out, uh, some of the, the highest quality copper in the world. And the DRC is both blessed and cursed with some of the world's best minerals that are available. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, though, is that you've got, you know, let's just, again, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. And you've got Joseph Kabila, who sits there in Kinshasa. And is mm-hmm. pocketing enormous amounts of money, uh, while at the same time as people suffer and starve and, and 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 you know have to endure daily hardships of corruption and and in, in government and official malfeasance. So, you know, Kofi Annan came out with a report this this past week, and he said in in for the Africa Progress Panel, where basically said that the undervaluation of minerals. Uh, is really robbing the African people, particularly the Congolese people, uh, of what's rightfully theirs, and this is where the charges of exploitation come in, and this is where the Chinese have been accused of going into places like the Congo and and basically undervaluing the the resources, uh, and then say they're giving in five to six billion dollars in construction, but extracting out ten to fifteen to twenty billion dollars in resources. Uh, and yeah. so, when the charges of neo-colonialism or ex- exploitation and abuse come against the Chinese, um, where there's smoke, is there fire? Is there some legitimate reason for these accusations to be put there?
2: Well, uh, I I completely disagree with the uh, with the assertion that uh, or the comparison to colonialism. I think is far fetched, is uh, unrealistic. Uh, um, As well as being a businessman, I'm a student of history. Uh, The last time I checked, there was no African sitting at the table in the Berlin Conference of 1884, (laughs) absolutely not, when Africa was stratified to look like Europe. And uh, the last time I checked, when the Belgians were exploiting uh, Congo, uh, they were exploiting both the labor and uh, and the economic resources of, uh, you know, uh, so, to, to, to compare those things is far-fetched, is unrealistic, and, you know, they give uh, uh, no credit to history, absolutely. So, now that we are here, and the Africans are sitting at the table, uh, we are negotiating for ourselves, so who do we look at? Ourselves only. So um, that's why uh, instead of being a, a, a bystander and looking at it as a businessman, I said I'll get involved in this arena, and, and make sure that I facilitate and I work, you know, very honestly, uh, independently, and uh, you know, with private uh, sector and uh, try to improve, uh, encourage investment to improve the lives of the people uh, having lived in Congo. I know that uh, most of the uh, companies that have been uh, uh, um, <clears throat> involved in, 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 in this kind of, uh, 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 you know, low evaluation of the mineral resources uh, yeah, and major corruption scandals, where well, Western companies, they are all, even if you look at the Kofi Annan report, you know, most of these companies are, you know, unscrupulously uh, 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 doing... Uh, uh, business in Africa, and they know how to exploit it, you know. So uh, I can explicitly tell you, you wouldn't find a Chinese company that is involved in this kind of stuff, and <laughs> that's a fact. You're going to find you a know? lot of skepticism on that uh, On that yes, point. Yes, absolutely. No, if, if you have the two governments sitting down and saying, okay, I am going to build your infrastructure, I'm going to do this for you, this is what I want from you, it's left you to negotiate. And if you are at the table and you, people feel like they beat you in the negotiation, that's a fair game. I call that a fair game. So now, you know, you can go into the, you know, other things, but they discuss it, they sign it on the table. So if the Africans cannot defend themselves, they are, you know, tough. You know, as time goes on, we can, they can revisit it, governments will change, people will look at these uh, agreements, and, then, and but to say that, Chinese are just exploiting Africa. I think it's a it's an unfair assertion. It's an unfair labelling that I dis- fundamentally disagree with. And to compare it with colonialism is far fetched.
1: Um, so, so I was wondering, um, you know, kind of how you feel Africans themselves should try and deal with, with their own elites. Because in the, the report, um, he, you know, he blames African elites for undervaluing Africa's resources more than he blames outside, outside, you know, kind of businesses. So, you know, how, how would you um, propose African people and African businesses and also foreign businesses actually deal with these elites?
2: I think uh, uh, let me tell you, as I think it's political immaturity uh, at its best. Uh, that's how I call it. And I think time will tell. Um, I always often tell people, Africa just had independence in the last 50 years. It's only 50 years, and oftentimes now we are so in a haste, we are just impatient. You know, I'm not excusing any action, any illegal action by any means. But this, I call it at best. You look at the caliber of people, and you know it, it, it's it's going to happen. We're going to change will come. The way the young people are looking at things, and I think I have great hope in young people. It's completely different from from from, from certain uh, the people uh, the older the older generation. And I'm not saying this because I know Joseph Kabila is a young person, and I'm not accusing him of doing this. Uh, but you know the facts are facts, and you know they are there for everybody to look at it. But, you know, it is Africans, we have to look at ourselves, we have to evaluate ourselves. And I think, you know, this soul searching is coming sooner than later, you know, because people are, these reports are coming out, Kofi Annan report is one of them, you know, and they are looking at things and they are telling the whole world that, you know, uh, people who steal, people who squander, people who are corrupt, you know, are not, Honest, they are, they, are, they are not to deal with, you know, and I think this is a good thing, you but, know, this is a good thing, and it can lead to, uh, uh, I think, a better path for Africa, and I welcome
0: it. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, I agree with you, but on the other hand, mm-hmm. the elites are so entrenched. I mean, take Angola, or take mm-hmm. Nigeria, for example. Where, you know, again, the oil curse is there, so much money, but yet the the Gini coefficient and the level of disparity between the rich and poor is among the highest in the world. And and and, you know the the pop the populace the poor people for the most part have no power to 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 challenge the likes of Joseph Kabila and the likes of the leadership in in Angola Nigeria and other countries. So what will be the force for change? And if Chinese companies are coming in and basically preferring to deal with those elites as Chinese companies generally do, um, where will be that force for change?
2: Yeah, the the force for change comes in uh, in different ways. Uh, I often hear people say the Arab strip Spring never reached Africa, and I and I tell them, look, we don't we we have dictators, but the 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 the, the, the dictators, we uh, there come a time we just. We kicked them out. Mobutu Sese Seko was one of them. You know, if, you know, he thought he was God, you know, everything was going. But at the end, he has to give up. And what they do is the destruction that they do last for a very long time. And I have hope in Congo. I lived in Congo. I know that there are very intelligent people in Congo. And I know that there is a change brewing within in terms of strengthening the strengthening the, uh, the workforce and then uh, putting discipline in the human resources. Uh, the new prime minister is is doing a whole lot of. is dedicated to promoting uh, safe investment and protecting investment and uh, putting the uh, mining codes in the right place. Uh, you know, so uh, I know that these changes are uh, they, they are coming. They are coming gradually. You know, if you look at Ghana, you know Nigeria you know, th- these things are coming. You know, uh, for example, you, you, you give an example of uh, Nigeria. Nigeria is a, a democracy, and then if you look at the new fin- the finance minister, the current finance minister yeah. of Nigeria, for the first time, for the first time in the history of Nigeria, they are bringing people who were siphoning the wealth of the oil, the oil wealth, you know, the, you know, the government revenue, uh, from uh, the subsidies in in, in in the fuel subsidies that the, the government have in place, people who are squandering that for the first time they are bringing them to court and they put their names in the newspapers. You know, so there are developments coming and, and Nigeria is changing dramatically. I mean, it is changing. If you look at the people in, 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 in the technocrats there, they are you know, well educated, they know what they are doing, they know what they are discussing and you know, I had the, uh, the president, the current president of Ghana, when he was uh, the vice president, he came to the United States and he w- went on an interview. And he said, you know, we learn. We, we invited Nigerians to talk to them when we discover oil. Because we learn from their mistakes. And Nigerians will be the first to tell you, you know. But change is a process. It's a process. We, some of us are impatient, but I can see it when I go, you know, to the continent you know, I see changes from, from Kenya to Rwanda, you know, to, 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 to Nigeria, to Ghana, uh, you know, uh, in South Africa, it's evident. And I can feel this in, in, in Zambia and, and, and DRC. So I think it's a process. We, we only have to look at ourselves. And if you look at the short history after um, independence, been- what was happening? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Cobus. Sorry, um,
1: there's been um, you know kind of calls for greater transparency in the international community, extension of the Dodd-Frank law in the US, and calls from that from yeah. the EU as well. Do you foresee yeah. that uh, the that the Chinese might also increase transparency because the, a lot of criticism about Chinese deals in Africa is that it happens behind closed doors? Um, and do you see that the Chinese might also jump on that on that kind of
2: process and also increase the transparency of their own deals? Well, I think uh, uh, the the difference here is uh, ma- more, mainly Western companies that come to uh, uh, to do business in Africa are independent private companies that uh, you know uh, uh, you know indulge in this kind of uh, nefarious uh, kind of business, and you know I think the the the, the biggest by far uh, is those companies, uh, in my view. And, you know, even France had uh, you know, a uh, uh, tax code that will, uh, uh, to, you know, give uh, tax breaks to, uh, you know, uh, writing of uh, graft as, uh, as a tax break. You know, the, the, the last time I checked, maybe they have changed it now. But mm-hmm. this was uh, an instituted part of the European culture, you know, that finds its way, you know, from colonialism to now. So in, in the Chinese sense, mainly these major uh, uh, major deals in china are done by the Ch- with the involvement of chinese government you know so they have to take themselves to task you know i, I haven't seen anything any laws being passed you know every country in their own ways but uh, you know i know that uh, chinese are sitting directly with the africans and telling them i will give you this and you give me that in that i, I look at it as a businessman it's purely business, you know. If we fail to take care of our own end, this is our problem. We don't have to blame the Chinese for that. And we have to make this clear. You know, we also have to look at ourselves and evaluate ourselves. We don't only blame, you cannot always blame people for your problems. You know, we have to look within ourselves in Africa. You know, no laws in the West will protect us. Because unscrupulous people will always be unscrupulous, but we have to look at for the interests of our our people. And I think young people, uh, private businesses being being part of this dynamics is very crucial to 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 changes in Africa.
0: So new generations coming up may give us some hope to to break the the, pa- the patterns of the past. It's, it's interesting, Mr. Absolutely. Kelly, because. You emphasize one of the themes that we mention constantly on the show that Cobus and I have been talking about for years here, is that too often mm-hmm. uh, in Africa there's the sense of victimization that others are doing something to them, and what it yeah. does is when you when you think that you're being victimized, you take the responsibility off of yourself, and and while mm-hmm. we we definitely try to hold. You know, foreign companies and foreign countries to task for uh, taking advantage of the situation. But at the end of the day, it does come down to the African people demanding more of their governments for transparency and for honesty and for anti-corruption. And once I that see. happens, when that revolution happens, whether or not it's a it's a spring or whether or not it's a subtle you know change in generation, as you say, to me that's when you're going to see the real change. Is when you know Zambians Absolutely. and Nigerians and you know Togolese, you know. They demand more from their governments to say, we, we want you. And you're seeing hints of this. Ethiopia, for example, is negotiating very, very tough with the Chinese. There are no Absolutely. Chinese merchants that are allowed in the streets of Addis Ababa. And that, that's perfectly fine to me. You know, that's the idea that each country has to determine what's best for it, but it must stand up. So I I think that is uh, a wonderful message to hear from, you know, from you. And it's really great to get the business message. I know we have to let you go because your time is short. Uh, Before we let you go, let's talk a little bit again about the Africa Copper Belt Summit that's coming up July 17th to the 19th. If people are in Shanghai or they're interested in going to Shanghai to participate in the summit, where can they go on the Internet to find out more information?
2: They have to go to uh, uh, www.afr-ba.com and they will find a link, that's the Africa Cup of Bell Summit, they click on it and they can register.
0: Yeah, no, and this is – they can register and this is one of the – a rare opportunity to meet the, the, you know, the prime minister of the DRC, the minister of mines and energy and water development from Zambia, the minister of mines from the DRC and the governor of Katanga province as well as obviously, you know, some – probably a great diversity of Chinese business interests and political leaders as well who are going to be participating.
2: Absolutely, these are all invited guests, and uh, we hope all of them will make it there. And then, uh, to, to you know, the forum will just be to ensure that mining sector remains attractive to foreign investment, while uh, simultaneously ensuring that the mining activities uh, engender the, the maximum socio-economic impact uh, in the people of uh, these respective countries and. Uh, you know uh so this is this is the the, the basic theme of, of 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 the summit to act and ensure that both sides are protected and uh you know uh, there is no uh issues of uh um, uh, mining regulations being infused and, and 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 the security situations are addressed and infrastructure is, is properly you know uh, deal with that <laughs> it's not going to be limited to mining anything has to do uh, you know uh, with uh, anything related to mining you know being infrastructure development will be discussed there power roads railway you know, so it's 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 a it's little bit more diverse than just mining. So it it, it has to do with that. Uh um, anything related to mining
0: Great, know. well it sounds like it's going to be a fascinating summit and we hope that maybe we can kind of circle back with you afterwards to kind of Absolutely. hear about what the results were and uh, I know a lot of our listeners are, are interested in, and want to attend as well since uh, Kobus's uh, internet connection is a little bit shaky I'm going to go ahead and do his plugs for him you can follow Kobus online at Stadenesk did I get that right Kobus?
1: Yes. Okay, I, are...
0: I, uh, I'm speaking up for you today just because uh, I know we've had a shaky connection with you, uh, <laughs> and also Kobus is very active as well as I am on our Facebook page, along with sixty-seven thousand uh, fo- Facebook followers. We're just so uh, you know impressed with the discussion and the dialogue that's going on our Facebook page, Mr. Kelly. I hope you'll join us on Facebook as well. We'd oh, like well. to get your perspective, particularly you know the business point of view, because we have you. A, 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 a you know we have a large, a wide diversity of, of, of opinions that come in there. But business is really not one of them. So I think your, your comments today were, were very interesting. And you can find us at facebook.com/slash China Africa Project. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, eolander. that's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R, and I'm tweeting almost every day the top China in Africa headlines. And as soon as we get updates from the Africa Copper Belt Summit, we'll be tweeting and Facebooking those pictures and, and updates as well. And so, uh, Mr. Callie, we wish you the very best with the summit, and uh, we think it's fascinating. We're really impressed with what you're trying to do, and again, we'd love to follow up with you very soon in the future.
2: Thank you, Eric. Thank you. I
0: appreciate it. And thank you for listening. We'll be back again next Sunday with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Until next Sunday, talk to you soon.